Hey mama, I'm sending you Wonderful pregnancy vibes It's time for you To guide you through Let's take some time for you It's pregnancy with physiolora Hello mamas and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physiolora podcast. Today I'm releasing a sneaky extra bonus episode for this newborn life series, which is the recording of the live Q&A that I did with Jen Butler last week. So Jen and I sat down to answer any listener questions from the podcast series so far, and it was a lot of fun, minus the technical glitch that we had at the start. So in this episode, we answer questions about newborn sleep and settling, specifically around when you can expect a newborn to self-settle on their own. We also spoke about feeding your babe to sleep and how you can combat any gas or wind issues that your babe might have with this. We discussed swaddling and whether Jen thought it was necessary or not for a newborn. We quickly discussed dummies and also the snoo sleeping device and so much more. So if you haven't already, make sure you go back and listen to the first five episodes that we've already released in this newborn life series so far as we cover all bases of newborn sleep and settling the fourth trimester combating normal sleep hurdles and how to help your partner and older children transition to life with a newborn and remember this entire podcast series plus the bonus episode exclusive to posse members which covers baby sleep environments and Jen's famous swaddling technique is now live inside my online program the pregnancy posse you can join the posse community and trial the program for seven days by visiting thepregnancyposse.com. Now let's get into our final episode for this series. Enjoy this live chat with Jen. Welcome, Jen. Thanks for Thank joining you. us. And hello, hello to everyone. Patient. Thank you all for your patience. Oh yes, no, everyone's been great. I think everyone wants to know a lot about newborn sleep, so they're pretty keen to stay around tonight yeah. and <laughs> listen to it. So um, I'll just give a quick intro if, if anyone's new to you. So Jen is amazing. So she is a maternal and child health nurse, a baby sleep consultant. She's a mum of two and a half, so she's also mm-hmm. pregnant at the moment. <laughs> And so many women have been sending me messages saying, hang on, are you and Jen pregnant at the same time? And I'm like, "Mm we planned it. (laughs) Oh, we have timed that one really well. So we're pretty much, we're like a couple of days apart from our due date. So it's, and we're both pregnant with our third baby. So we um we are very excited about that mm. and janet runs some amazing online courses as well and she is my most recent guest on the podcast on the pregnancy with physio laura podcast she is the guest expert for our newborn life series at the moment which is going off really really well everyone is enjoying it so we've dropped three episodes there is five so we've so far released the fourth trimester which was wonderful we've also spoken about baby sleep and rhythms and why jen prefers to talk about rhythms rather than hardcore routines when it comes to newborns and then we've also spoken about which i like the title why is my child allergic to sleep (laughs) i love that (laughs) That covered catnapping, witching hour, all sorts of sleep uh, troubles, I guess, that you might stumble across, which it seems is universal to every mum. I haven't met, um, met anyone who's had a complete unicorn baby yet. Like, There's always some sort of hurdle at some stage. And what I'm really loving, there's women inside the Pregnancy Posse who have devoured all six episodes so far because there is a bonus episode inside the membership, which is about dummies and sleep environments and swaddling and things like that. 
women watched all six in a row and they just devoured it. And what I like is that these women are all pregnant and they're getting themselves geared up for the expectations afterwards. And we've had a lot of comments about the podcast, women saying, I'm just so happy that I know now what to expect with a newborn? What is actually realistic? Should my two-week-old be sleeping in a cot on its own? Oh, okay, that's not normal. That's so good to know. And I think that's so important to learn before the piece. So I'm really hoping, we probably don't have time to get a bit of a rundown from everyone, but not knowing who's pregnant, who's not pregnant, if you are pregnant watching this tonight, I just think you're setting yourself up for success to really understand this. So make sure, I assume you've listened to the podcast, but make sure you do listen to the podcast if you haven't already. Pregnancy with Physio Laura on any of your favorite podcast players. But we have got a list of questions that people have written in. So we're going to be answering those questions. If we get a chance, we might take some live questions as well, but we'll see how we go. So is there anything you wanted to add, Jen? No, everything you just said, though, like I am so very passionate about women not just focusing on the birth, like so important to do so, but have a think about what happens afterwards because usually everyone's like a deer in headlights. That is the most common thing I get told is women are like, what the hell? Because <laughs> they haven't spent that time to sort of start to go, all right. So, yes, I'm just supporting what you just said. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. And I think it's really good because you have your personal experience with this as well where yeah. – I remember you saying, oh, I, I've got this. Yeah. I, um, I've got all the qualifications and it's still caught you by surprise. So I think it's really good to show that like even yourself who's fully qualified in this area, this caught you by surprise. And I think that's really valuable for other women to go, okay, so preparation is key. Really wrapping your head around this is key. And even then, you will have days where you have no idea yes. what you're doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, like I mentioned on my Instagram stories the other day, my 16-month-old decided to pull a newborn sleep the other night. And I was like, what? And it was the day before that my child is allergic to sleep episode dropped. <laughs> well, this is ironic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it never makes you immune. <laughs> exactly. What do I do? It never makes you immune to having those crappy days. But I tell you what, they're very they're reduced significantly when you have some clue about what's normal, what to do, all of those 100%. Things. I think half the issue is the expectations in your head and that reality doesn't match that. But yep. let's jump into the meat of it because yeah. I know women want their questions answered. Yeah. So let's start, Jen, with two similar vibe questions that I was getting. I've sort of summed them up. There's lots of questions about awake times for newborns and what is normal awake times and how long should a newborn baby sleep during the day? So could you give us maybe a bit of an overview on that? Absolutely I can because they do kind of mould in together. So like if we're looking at day sleep, the nap sleep that a baby will usually have when they're a newborn is somewhere between six to nine hours of the day, which like that's a lot. Mm. So if you then are looking at spacing the naps so that it's working with their awake times, like a new baby, like I'm talking a fresh baby in the first sort of two, even up to four weeks, they're basically going to feed and go back to sleep. So depending on how long a feed takes, but it's usually about 45 minutes of awake time. And then you're sort of starting to add on 15 minutes every couple of weeks in those early weeks. So let's say, for example, from birth, it's about 45 minutes of awake time. Six weeks, you're looking at about sort of an hour, hour and 15. By three months, you're hitting about an hour and a half of awake time. And it's plus or minus 15 minutes either side, depending on 
your baby because I think that's where parents get really like we want I think we all want arbitrary rules right like you want a black and white you want your baby will be awake for an hour and 15 minutes and then they'll go to sleep sadly that is not how it works so but understanding the averages then you can sort of try and figure out okay do I think my baby needs a bit more sleep do they need a bit less but yeah six to nine hours is a lot of sleep throughout the day and I would actually say to a lot of babies and newborns anyone who's had a newborn who, who are in it babies often have their days and nights reversed so they'll be sleeping the day away and then they tend to be a lot more wakeful and I think someone asked about this whole there was a witching hour 6 to 9 p.m wakeful yes. period classic for a young baby where mm. they actually slept that the day away and then they had this witching hour so they actually call it there's another name for it the period of purple crying Yes. Google that after all of this. I've done a podcast episode on that on my podcast. Um, but, yeah, it's like that witch now. It's a really chronic, like, not chronic, but um, well-known period where it's like they've slept all day and then they have this real wakeful period. And that six to nine pocket is a very predictable time that I see that happen. And Rochelle's just said that that's happening right now for her. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, Rochelle, I, and, and to all the mums who are going through it, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I remember with Max, my firstborn, who starts prep tomorrow, um, <laughs> we, I remember I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that. And so I was trying to put him to bed at seven thinking that's what you do for a newborn. And he was like, nah, he would sleep on me between those hours on and off. But he wouldn't mm. sleep. He wouldn't just go to sleep. And then around yeah. ten o'clock, he'd cark it. <laughs> and then that was the yeah. night until. And that's really normal. That's a really normal pattern until I would say around sort of three months. That circadian rhythm starts to figure itself out. Yes, and I do remember you saying that in the podcast that newborns start their sleep normally later. You know, ten yeah. p.m. is quite common. Um, and go back and listen to episode three because we do talk about the day and night confusion in that yeah. one. I think you explained that really well then. So that's awesome. Now this ties into another common question that women were writing in about, and it was talk because you've just said that babies will have this say forty-five minute awake window, newborns, and they might take forty minutes to feed. So they're pretty much dowsy dozy or feeding most of the time not actually awake and doing much and so women were talking about if they fall asleep on the boob but they need to be burped how do you actually manage this because then they're finding that they're putting them down and they're getting gassy and windy and a bit uncomfortable have you got any tips around that I'm kind of springing some of these questions on yeah, you. I do apologize yeah bring like fine and this is something that is so common so one thing I, is looking at what's going on with the feed, right? So at some point, what often tends to happen is I think in our heads, we think that babies will just spontaneously come off themselves. And some do, don't get me wrong. And as they get older, they definitely do. But lots of little babies will have stopped feeding and will fall asleep and they'll doze. And theoretically at that point would be a great opportunity to actually take them off, give them a burp because here's what you need to know is that babies who are asleep don't burp. So once if they're asleep and drowsy, they actually really struggle to bring up wind. So if they're fast asleep. So if you let them get into a really deep sleep cycle, it's going to be very hard to get that wind up or yes. that wind's going to have travelled too far down. So you've got to think about wind like when they're going to burp, you've got that opportunity to bring it up 
pretty soon after they've taken that in. So this is where I encourage families to go back to like the start of the feed. And if you've got a baby in there like clicking or slurping or, you know, you've got a fast let down, this can happen on the bottle too. If they're drinking really quickly, they're guzzling and they're taking a lot of wind, take them off then, give them a burp before that wind's gone too far down. So, mm. you know, you're not always like it's not perfection. There's going to be yes. wind that passes down. That's just the way yes. it goes. But if you know that you've had your baby taking a lot of wind or you're worried they're getting quite drowsy, try and take them off before they're fast asleep because mm. A, you're not going to disrupt their sleep cycles and B, it's not going to have travelled down too far and C, they're not going to be so asleep that they can't actually bring up that wind. Yeah, interesting. So mm. are you saying you would take them off, burp them and then hope that they go back to sleep or would you put them back on the breast or the bottle after the burp and kind of get them back off to sleep that way? You could definitely put them back on. So, like, for example, I talk about with families, like if you if you pop them on and you know that they're taking a lot of wind as your milk's let down at the start, take them off then, give them a burp, mm -hmm. get that up then, put them back on, continue yeah. your feed, and hopefully then they're not taking a lot of wind. But as yeah. they start, like, this is where I'm actually running a three-day, should mention this too, a three-day um, training the 8th to the 10th of February, and I'm actually going to be talking about how to know your baby's having a good feed, what to watch yes. for, what I'm actually looking at. Like, because if you're mm. a new mum, I remember I would sit there for an hour and 15 minutes with Max when he was a little baby because I thought he was feeding because he hadn't let go and he was still sucking, but it was just this little... Like he was just using me as a dummy. So I was staying yes. up for so long at night, in the middle of the night, feeding this baby. He wasn't even feeding. Then eventually I'd put him down thinking, okay, he's done. And then he'd be up an hour and a half later yeah. because I sat there for an hour and a half feeding him, but I wasn't actually yes. feeding So that's what, like, day one of the, um, of the training is I'm talking about what to watch for, the behaviour to know. And so knowing when they've actually stopped feeding if you finished one side, I, I'm like, get them off, give them a burp, either put them back on the same side if they haven't finished or, like, give them the other half of the bottle or pop them on the other side, if that yeah, makes great. sense. <laughs> you make so much sense to me. That's why I like you so Good. much because I'm like, ding, ding, like Penny always <laughs> well, I'm like, It's so simple. The way you yeah. put it, it's so simple. <laughs> um, like, you don't know what you don't know, but when you know it, you're like, yeah. Of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I love that. That's really good advice. Okay. So that will then transition into the next set of questions, which was around, is breastfeeding to sleep a bad thing? Now, I know this is probably like a whole rabbit hole, but I know women are concerned about breastfeeding their two-week-old who falls asleep on the boobs. So, you know, obviously women breastfeed 18 months old to sleep. And I know you have a saying that it's not a problem unless it's a problem. So could you maybe just give us like a quick overview on should women with a two-week-old be worrying about breastfeeding to sleep? No. <laughs> like just flat out no. Good. There's yes. so much pressure on new mums to like not – and this is like I can't even describe to you like me. I'll never forget me being like I have to put him in the bassinet it's got to like settle like that. And I was like, I was a little cuckoo, I'm not going to lie. Um, just ask my mother-in-law. <laughs> and she came over to visit from the country and I wouldn't let her like pick him up because I was like, no, it's establishing good sleep patterns. <laughs> Jen. Anyway, whole other story for a whole other day, guys. 
Um, but I like the answer is no. And like the answer can be no for a really long time. Like I know lots of mums who feed their baby to sleep, they pop them down and it never leads to the baby then like as they get older, needing that as a continual um, way to fall back asleep. So that's where feeding to sleep gets such a bad rap is that for some families, their baby, the only way they know how to fall asleep is by, you know, a cuddle, sucking at the breast and falling asleep. Like feeding to sleep and a dummy are actually no different. They're both suck to sleep associations. It's And there's, not, there's nothing wrong with them, but it's just what the baby needs to settle. Especially in the newborn days, I actually encourage it because babies have a newborn reflex. They have a whole bunch of newborn reflexes. One of them is the suck reflex, and it is so very strong. And I know we're going to be talking a little bit about um, you know, some dummies and, and, yeah, so I'll be able to cover that a bit more. But the short story is, is no, settling, feeding to sleep is an excellent tool. My only thing would be that it links in perfectly with what we just spoke about is be conscious that they're not feeding to sleep, taking in a gut full of air, and then it's then impacting their sleep from there on. Like, yes, they feed to sleep, but how long are they going to stay asleep if they're really windy? That would yes. be my only thing in those newborn days is just be wary of, that yes i think i'm so glad you clarified that and i knew that was going to be your answer because i just think there's so many women out there with newborns right now thinking that they're setting themselves up to fail and they're creating a rod for their own back yeah. and and i think that's sad because you don't get to embrace or enjoy that period where that's a very biologically normal way to fall asleep and it doesn't mean it's forever and i think it's really good to reassure women that if they do it now a, that's normal, B, that's beneficial, C, that's okay, and D, that's not going to ruin their child. So no, and, I'm and glad e, they can change it at any point. Like I think exactly. that's a big thing to know in all things parenting and life is if it's no longer serving you, you can change it. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. That's really good. So let's talk about dummies then while you mentioned it. Um, we do have, so the bonus episode that you very kindly gave us for the podcast is all about dummies and sleep environments and your, I call it your famous swaddling technique. So that yes. is inside the Pregnancy Posse for all members to watch. That won't be coming out in the podcast though, that's just for members. But can you just give us a quick little update on if you use a dummy, is there a good time to introduce it and will it confuse baby and cause problems with breastfeeding? My rule of thumb is that if you can wait for at least sort of three weeks before introducing a dummy, it just gives your baby that opportunity to not get nipple confusion. So especially if you are exclusively breastfeeding, and I actually, I can't remember who's brought this up, but they were really fearful of introducing a dummy. And I was like, no, it's, it's not going to be an issue as long as you allow your baby some time to establish to just the breast first. That would probably be the best tip I can give. So around three, four weeks is sort of roughly when they say it's, you know, the safe time. And the big thing I'll say to with dummies if you're breastfeeding is often I see lots of families and they'll chuck in the dummy because they're prolonging the feed. Put in the dummy, baby will suck off to sleep and they'll, push out the feed that's not how it should be used your baby first and foremost should be offered the breast like if they're hungry but yes. if you just had a good feed and they're upset they're having difficulty settling you know that they're not hungry the dummy is an excellent alternative to help soothe your baby they still want to suck which is probably why they're showing those feeding cues even though you've just done a good feed but mm. 
that's where dummy is like popping the dummy and it's like that gives them what they need they can suck yeah. not it's not to put off the feed i think that's the yeah. biggest thing yeah so that you know you've satisfied their hunger and yeah. it's just for soothing yeah i love that i wish i had you tell me that because i remember future tripping when my son was like two or three weeks old about do we give him a dummy do we not he's so unsettled and then i just couldn't get the picture of a five-year-old boy attached to his dummy out of my head, no. which was so ridiculous in hindsight. And I remember my, both my kids have had dummies for a part of their, you know, early childhood. And I remember saying to you when Pia was maybe six months, like, Jen, I think the dummy needs to go. It's a problem now. Like it's causing her to wake for it. It's a problem. And you coached me through it. I went cold turkey. She was fine. Totally yeah. fine. I remember thinking that this was going to be this fight and this terrible thing and it was totally fine and so i have the yeah. confidence now between what you've told me and experience with my own but the dummy is like you said earlier everything can change when you want it to change it's never a permanent thing you can always Nothing reverse habits as as, yeah as long as you're willing to be like all right let's let's change this let's do this and yeah. it's usually never as bad as what it seems <laughs> Yes, 100%. And like Kristen just said, her concern is the weaning off it. And I think yeah. a lot of people are too scared to start because they just think that they're going to be having tantrums and tears and fights. And I think kids are so resilient. And my kids have always shown me that they can cope with change better than I can, to be honest. So. And it is usually the how it's going to go. And both of my boys had dummies and yeah. I have had the baby number three will as well and i'm not sure at what point i will take away the dummy for baby number three but the boys are both very different in their timings too so it's just yeah you find a time that works and you commit to it i think that's yes the yeah <laughs> yeah you can't half halfway you no. have to do it properly yeah. okay let's talk about swaddling because we've got a couple of questions coming through with swaddles so Couple, of, I'll throw them all out, and if you can remember, we'll go from there. So, what first question was? Do you even need to swallow a baby? Actually, no. I'll go drip by drip because I'm expecting a pregnant woman like same gestation as me to remember all these questions at once. Yeah. So, do you even need to swallow a baby? Let's start with that one. You don't, and I know lots of baby, uh, lots of parents who will say that they their baby hated being swaddled. Usually, I find that most babies love to be swaddled because your baby was swaddled. They're swaddled when they are in here. They have hardly any movement, and that's actually why we love to swaddle is because it's replicating the, the utero environment, basically that nice tight space that they've come from. But if your baby comes out and they're happy to sleep and it's not impacting sleep, absolutely mm. not. The reason why we love swaddling is because of their morostartal reflex. When your baby, like all babies are born with it, they should have it. It's another one of the newborn reflexes. And if they are going to sleep and startling themselves awake to a loud noise, it can be to nothing. It's just a reflex where they just bring their hands forward. It can wake them. So, it also helps, like um, swaddling is one of the five S's that Dr. Harvey talks, um, Dr. Harvey Cup talks about who's a pediatrician and it helps. And to that is in episode one for anyone who cool. wants to I go and check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but the answer is no, you absolutely don't have to. Like, again, it comes down to if it's causing a problem for your baby's sleep, then you probably should be, like, if that moral reflex is waking them, you should be mm. swaddled. But if yes. they are in and they're fine, you do yeah. not need to yeah, awesome. And if you are swaddling, I think everyone's a bit confused by the sounds of the questions I'm getting through. 
What do you swaddle them in? Are we doing the muslin wrap? Are we doing the famous gen technique that you show us in the posse? Are we doing the sleep suit bags? Like, do you have, I know it could be a bit of a minefield for a first time mum to go, what do I pick? What, where do you sort of start your women with swaddling? I always started with a muslin wrap because it tends to be a more secure wrap. Mm. However, with both the boys, I, just to confuse you guys all even further, <laughs> which I actually don't think is confusing, I actually think it's a great hack. By <laughs> Listen, I'm talking to myself. But I, I love, like, let me go back and just say I bloody love sleeping bags because I love tog rated. So if you get a sleeping bag, they're more expensive, but the ones that are tog rated that will say, you know, 0.2 tog, 0.5 tog, uh, you know, 2.5 tog, one tog, three point, you know, those ones, they're great because I think there was another question around how many layers do we dress our baby in? Yes. I can't, I can't answer that because I cannot give arbitrary guidelines around blankets because you could tell me you're putting a blanket on your baby and it could be a cotton breathable fabric or you could be yes. putting an ink blanket which doesn't breathe and is super hot and is going to retain retain that heat. So it's really hard to give those clear guidelines with the tog rated sleeping bags you can and yes. and it's and then you know and then it can be like all right if the room's 24 degrees i know my baby's going to be in a one tog sleeping bag so going back to my hack so when they were little newborns i used to muslim wrap them and then pop them into a sleeping bag so i had the tog rating and like a muslim wrap isn't that warm so it's not like i was like adding on all these extra layers yes mm. it was an extra layer to count in for when it came, but it gave them that super secureness when the sleeping bag was a bit big. I think that's the, as soon as the sleeping bag fits your baby, I yep. am team sleeping bag all the way. Yeah. And um, just a side question, because I, my son, like Mussy's still in a sleeping bag. Is Ted still in a sleeping bag or have you transitioned him to, to pajamas? He's jammies, he's bed. He, yeah, okay. yeah. While they were still in the cot, the boys were in sleeping bags. Once yeah. they went to the bed, and I think Ted just, yeah, and what else happened is he started to nighttime toilet train. So, uh, yes, that's a good transition. To unzip themselves for a sleep, because I ended up getting like the ergo pouch size that is three to five or like old kids. And yeah, they never lasted long. I should have learned my lesson from Max because he wasn't in it for long either before he started nighttime toilet training. <laughs> But whatever, it was worth it for the, you know, few months where he was still in that sleeping bag in the cot. But once yes. he was in his bed, doona, all of that stuff. Yeah. And I agree with you. I still use the thermometer in both of my kids' bedrooms and pretty much go by every night. And I don't know why I'm not an anxious person, but I really fret about whether my kids are too hot or too cold at night time. Like it's a running joke with my husband that, oh, you're looking up the weather again tonight. And I'm like, yes. I have no gut feeling or motherly intuition yeah. about what to dress my kids in. I need this thermometer guide. So I highly recommend it as well. And Kristen yeah. has just asked, Jen, what does TOG actually stand for? Thermal overall grade. So okay. it, it's literal, you know, um, official grading of temperature. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, it's like, I don't know who created it, but it's, it's official across the brands. I think that's what's yeah. important to know is it doesn't fluctuate from brand to brand. It's the official thermal regulation. Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay. Um, okay, let's touch briefly, and this will be 
discussed the podcast is dropping tomorrow morning where we talk a little bit more about sleep education versus sleep training and your sort of ethos on that and how valuable a sleep consultant can be and this kind of ties into it but someone has asked when should you start to think about a baby self-settling and someone else had asked when should I start to put my child in the cot awake and allow them the opportunity to fall asleep on their own I like the way that I describe the settling stages is in the newborn phase, you are hundred percent like have the mindset that you're settling them to sleep, the settle to sleep phase. When they hit around three, four months, I'm calling it the settle to soothe stage. So if you can then start to see that three to six month period as I'm going to help wind them down, I'm going to put them into their cot. I'm not just going to like, it doesn't mean you have to leave them. But you do want to not be doing it all. Like they can. So like an interesting fact is, you know, there's such controversy around self-settling and self-soothing. A baby cannot self-soothe. Toddlers can't self-soothe. Adults, there are a lot of adults who can't self-soothe. <laughs> when we talk about soothing, the ability to bring ourselves down from heightened states of emotion. And sometimes I can't self-soothe. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Guilty. So we're not asking them to do that, but they can put themselves to sleep from birth. So they can. the The definition of self settling is the ability to fall asleep. Which if they couldn't put themselves to sleep, they wouldn't sleep. Like they can yeah. fall asleep. So I think when you hit that three month mark, I'm like, what can you do to start to go? I'm going to help you to wind down, but it's not my job now to completely put you to sleep. So that's mm. between three to six months. And then obviously from six months plus, it's then about giving more of a chance to do so. So yeah. that's why, like, I think if done with the right knowledge and guidance, you don't have to do that hardcore sleep training. Like the amount of emails I get from I'm saying, we've been trying to do cry it out for the last two weeks. I think a lot of people think that when you just work with me, it's like I teach you how to cry it out. You can Google that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you don't even have to Google it. Like no, we have The to name says it all. And let them cry until they fall asleep. That is not how you should teach your baby to fall asleep, in my opinion. There is amazingly beautiful ways of just being able to give them the steps and the independence that I'm talking about. And it doesn't have to be a big, scary process. It can just happen gradually. Like, that's why actually, like, it's never too late to make change. But it's such a great time to start to look at these things around that sort of three-month mark where you're like, right, what can I do to just encourage my baby to start to have a say in falling asleep so it's not solely me doing everything and then three, six months down the track, I'm still, I've got a one-year-old and I'm still doing everything to get mm. him off sleep. Yeah, I love that. That's really good because I had a few messages come through of women who only had, I think, a two-week-old and a six-week-old who were trying to do put down in the cot drowsy or awake and see if they could do it and we're kind of pulling their hair out as to why baby would only sleep on them and not in their cot and and those sorts of things and also um a quick one if a baby is only falling asleep on mum and i'm talking like a two-week-old a three-week-old a four-week-old is that normal 100 percent, and that like that's the fourth trimester is yeah that sleep better on you without a doubt yeah. i think that was a question from a mum who was like yes but they only sleep on me. What can yeah, I do? Yeah. I do things. And like that, that's probably the biggest problem. It's like, it's all well and good, but you're also like, wouldn't mind, you know, doing something or preparing the meal. Like, you know, even though I'm all about like 
trying to take a slower pace and surrendering a bit to doing less and understanding that that's very normal. I've realised I've lost, like, all my light in my room, so I'm apologies <laughs> to everyone. I had daylight here and now it's like, pretty. <laughs> my room um, But, like, that's where I'm like, if, like, I... I, when I when you sent that question through to me, I was like, you've got two options. You either just roll with it, you baby wear, and you pop them in a carrier and, you know, you carry on with your day by having them close to your body still but you're hands-free. Baby wearing. The other option is you can get them to sleep in their bassinet. I know it might not be easy and they probably won't sleep for very long, but... If there's a will, there's a way. Like if you yeah. cuddle them and you can, like if you learn how to settle in a bassinet, you will be able to do it. But usually what tends to happen, we get, you know, we get sick. Of, like it's either doesn't feel like it's working so we give up or, you know, you would eventually be able to do it. So it just depends what's the greater of two evils. Having to, you know, persist in settling in a bassinet when your baby is probably like, mm -mm, I do not want to do this. Or baby wear and... You know, I know the feeling of always feeling touched out. Mm. You can baby wear all day. And I, I remember I used to, like, baby wear my second son, Ted, like the, basically for the first three months. And by the end of the day, my husband would walk through the door and be like, yours, I'm touched out. Like, <laughs> my body to myself. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's, that's the – because what that mum was experiencing is what I would say almost every baby does. Yeah. So – working with development or going, no, I can do this, you can fall asleep, you know, and it's okay for them to sleep in a bassinet. It might just be harder to get them in there. Yeah. I love that. I really think that would be very empowering for women to hear, to go, okay, here's some options. Like yes. you said, you can wear them, which obviously has some downfalls, but you might get a really good nap or you can put them down and they will be okay, but you might not get such a big nap. So at least women, instead of just feeling like they're hopeless and they've got no choice, no option, they can go, okay, cool. I've got a choice here. Like I know I would choose to work with my babies in the wrap because I knew I would get a good window. Whereas if I put them yeah. down, I wouldn't. And I chose the discomfort sometimes of my back being sore or whatnot, um, or going to the toilet with a baby in the carrier and trying to work out the logistics of that because they're on you all the time. <laughs> but at least on the flip side, I've got my time. So yeah, exactly. I'm the same as you. Yes, it kind. Of, I got so savvy at doing things that, like, I remember I used to like actually figure out a way that I could like manoeuvre down and, and have a nap myself. Like I became a master. <laughs> A master. <laughs> and I'll do it again. Like, I yeah. will the baby wear because yeah. unless, like, Tiny Diamond is the nickname for my bump, named by my almost six-year-old. He's a troll. <laughs> wondering where the hell Tiny Diamond came from. Um, but Tiny Diamond might love to sleep in the bassinet, although I highly doubt it. Exactly. I highly doubt it because <laughs> that's yeah. not the norm and that's important to know. <laughs> You might get the unicorn baby third time round. Who knows? You're listening. You're listening. <laughs> yeah, same with mine. You're listening. <laughs> um, and I've also heard women have mastered breastfeeding in the carrier, which I oh, thought yeah. was awesome, like totally hands-free. But, yeah, I envy the girls that actually can actually lift. Even in pregnancy, my poor boobs just don't get there. <laughs> you win some, you lose some, hey? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let me just check, Jen. We're going to wrap this up soon because we've, yeah. we've tried to keep to about half an hour. Let me just check about any other questions that we haven't yet covered. 
Um, yes, yes, yes. Temperature, cell settling. I reckon we've covered most of the major ones that were coming through. Um, tomorrow, I meant to mention before, tomorrow the episode is on the sleep um, education versus sleep training. So I think anyone who was wondering about self-settling and wanted a bit more info on that, that will be in the podcast tomorrow. Um, let's maybe just see if there's any questions hot on the live right now that we can quickly blow out maybe two minutes. Would that be all right, Jen? Totally. Awesome, because these pregnant mamas need to sleep too. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so okay, so someone, Zara, asked about the burping, but we covered that earlier in the live. So what I'm going to do as well, ladies, is I'm going to upload this audio on the podcast. So I'll do this as like a bonus episode, just the live Q&A with um, Jen. So if you didn't get around to listening to the start or you've come in late, you can always catch up on the podcast um ah there's no questions jen everyone's just wishing they knew about you earlier <laughs> oh. well that's come on awesome hi girls and jen, <laughs> jen's here <laughs> I, oh I actually this is a this is a good one actually sorry jen there's a couple coming through and i have actually had um a few people ask me this inside the pregnancy posse and um food pot has asked how far along are you in your pregnancy we are both um, what are we like? Twenty three weeks? Are you almost yeah, I'm, there? I'm tw almost twenty two. So twenty two. Yeah. There you go. You're literally like a week apart. Yeah, it's awesome. But everyone, or not everyone, a couple of questions are coming in on the snoo. What do you think about the snoo? I have, for some reason, the snoo is so controversial. I think it's like I think it's great. I think that if a lot of people are like, you should be rocking your baby, not a, like not a bassinet. So if anyone doesn't know a snoo, it's like um, Dr. Harvey Carp, who I love, the five S's, he's incorporated into a cot where it actually rocks, like or does the swaying, the shushing, the swaddling. Uh, the other two S's are sideline or stomach position, which obviously that's not safe to sleep. So, of course, that's not incorporated into the cot. And sucking but if you gave like a dummy or you know for anyone who does feed to sleep that's sort of ticking that um my opinion is that if that is going to allow your baby to maybe they've gone through a sleep cycle they're a bit restless and they just need a little bit of a rock to go back to sleep i'm like why is that so bad i don't mm -hmm. understand so long story cut short i think they're fabulous <laughs> yeah. they just like no, they're a lot of money amount of time because really you should be not doing all of those things by around that three four months when i mentioned before so that would be my only pitfall of it maybe you could try and get sponsored by them for baby number three uh, excuse me dr harvey Carp. um just uh, follow if you don't mind you could do a product test for them and see if it works Done. <laughs> I, oh, I love I it yet. i haven't decided but i still might get one yeah, okay. Well, you could do a bit of a review and let women know whether or not your personal experience with it is any good, whether it's worth the money. Yeah, I actually yeah. think it's probably, it's probably tax deductible too, so I may as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there are a few more questions, but we're going to wrap it up now, Jen, because you have given enough of your time tonight, and I so appreciate You're it. You are. One of my favorites. <laughs> so just remember, guys, we do have two more episodes left with Jen on the podcast. So Pregnancy with Physio Laura, just search for it in any of your favorite podcast players. Tomorrow we're dropping the 
sleep education, not sleep training episode. And then next week, Jen is going to talk us through how to introduce a baby to a new sibling, like a toddler, and to help get your partner involved in caring for a newborn as well. So that will be dropping next Monday. And if you're a Pregnancy Posse member, Jen has done a bonus episode Inside the Pregnancy Posse membership, you can go check it out now, and that is all about dummies, sleep environments, so how dark the room should be, white noise, all of the things, and she's demonstrated the swelling technique that she mentioned tonight as well. So thank you so much. Thank you, My- Jen. You've been wonderful. Bye. I really hope you love that live Q&A recording I did with Jen Butler to round out the Newborn Life series. I think it was a really great follow-up to this five-part Newborn Life series as it seemed to cover most of the questions that listeners were writing in about newborn sleep and settling. Now, we have an incredible podcast series starting next week talking all about C-section births. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss out once these episodes are released. Until then, and mamas sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy.